Presenting to you the interactive space for critical and objective open thinking. With Martian UFO, produced by Martian UFO Media, the best podcast on air with your hearty host. Catch episodes weekly on Apple and Spotify Podcasts. Oh man, hello everybody, what's going on? Welcome to Floating in Space with Martian UFO I hope everybody's doing well, uh, taking care of themselves uh, Thank you for joining me on the podcast here Tuesday, February 1st at 4.20am Yeah, I'm up, up late or up early, or whatever you want to say You know, I don't really sleep much um, during this time in my life during these current events and just for the last like couple months i haven't really been sleeping like that i got a lot of stuff going on so i decided it would be a good time to podcast and to do like the next episode of my reading episodes by the way guys i hope that you guys enjoyed the last uh two new episodes that i dropped last week or maybe two weeks ago at some point you know i'm trying to become more consistent with this podcasting trying to put out great positive content for you guys while still you know dealing with life's daily struggles of course and having things kind of jar you from the path and jar you from your plans and everything and you know I just want to speak to that for a second um you know I know that all of us are obviously experiencing things and going through things right now in life and man it's uh yeah you know life life has its ups and downs and it can hit you like a motherfucker sometimes sorry for the swearing i know i said i was gonna try and stop that but you know trying to be real raw true whatever and yeah man you know just in my personal life right now i'm going through some things trying to deal with some things or whatever um taking a couple of steps back dealing with some changes and from everything man you know the daily life family um my personal health and yeah just uh financial things everything right everything i know that stuff that a lot of people go through and especially right now you know we're in this new year 2022 obviously a lot of um the online media talk and the main news media whatever is covering the the freedom convoy and actually one sec man actually shout out to the freedom convoy because as you guys know my stance the kind of side that i lean on that i pay attention to i uh if i had the means and the funds you know maybe i'd be out there with them or i'd be doing more to be a part of the convoy in ottawa and just showing my support but i know that talking about it helping people to uh, gain information to understand what it's about and just joining in solidarity will help everybody you know like i'm not really here for the negative talking or the people who want to talk down on people who are really just doing what they believe is right for everybody right right for canadians right for all of our freedoms for us to be able to live our lives without prejudice and uh worry of mandates and stuff like that but yeah that's kind of my my thoughts i really hope that what they're doing down there is more positive than negative when you read some of the reports you know talking about their Oh, they're racist and they're um, spreading misinformation. There's misogynists down there. You know, I've been actually, <laughs> that's funny because that term's been thrown around with me. You know, oh, I'm a misogynist. Oh, I hate women. But I'm pretty sure there's tons of women down there with the men, with the truckers, and everybody's kind of joining together. You know, there might be racists down there. There might be misogynists down there. But I'm pretty sure that out of all the millions of people that are down there on the streets, I mean, they all have one common goal one shared vision one task that they want to you know accomplish obviously and if they do it's going to be better for our whole country and it's going to help everybody you know the people that say that uh we're affecting you know the unvaccinated we're affecting health and we're um 
putting the hospitals to their limits and we're, you know, we're having all these negative effects that you can't really see, right? Like, and I'm not, again, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, anything like that. I don't really, I'm not going to try and pull up any type of um, facts bullshit for anybody because <laughs> that's not my spot. I just talk about this shit. But yeah, I think that a lot of people need to discern better the type of information that they get, where the information is coming from, what they're listening to. And, and you know, if if everybody was lying, if there were so many people that were trying to spread information or say that, oh, um, these vaccines aren't proper, they aren't good for you, they aren't, or quarantining isn't good, or, or you know, putting on a mask and going everywhere with the mask and um, mandating vaccines just so you can work and go to school and go eat at a restaurant and go see a movie, like, it's it's uh it's a little extreme right i'll say and you know obviously we don't have any factual data in front of us or any medical information because i don't specialize in that kind of kind of stuff but i just think that you know and I, I mean i look at information i look at different information i read a lot of different things obviously you know a guy who doesn't sleep has to be doing some reading right but yeah i look at things and i got my own opinions and i just feel like People should be more informed, you know, listen to people like uh, Dr. Joseph Mercola. Um, I listen to this lady. Her name's Catherine Austin Fitz. She talks a lot about, you know, the, the Great Reset, the New World Order, that kind of stuff. Just the, the surrounding topics that kind of surround everything that we're going through right now. The fact that, you know, it, it's all kind of playing into each other, leaning into each other. The fact that we all got to have resolve, even the people who are going through like the worst of things, right? People, right? I mean, I went out tonight, guys. Um, so I guess if I'm being honest, one of my current situations, one of my current hardships is that I'm currently without a vehicle. So it's uh, a little bit different for me, you know, being up in Calgary. Obviously, we got a not bad transit system it's okay the buses and trains and shit but when i moved up here i had a vehicle and my vehicle was good running and i was used to being a driver not necessarily a pedestrian right and so i've just had to make changes in my life to you know still obviously get to work to be able to get to places like the gym and you know when i got to do my errands banking and, and grocery shopping and going to go pay bills and shit like that just different things right it's a whole new um phenomena to get used to a whole new change in life and i'm taking it on or whatever it doesn't feel super great because the uh the detriments to my vehicle right now as they are might take a while for them to be fixed and remedied so i'm gonna be waiting a while i'm gonna be walking a while and doing my thing but that's kind of my my own struggle the point is though when i went out and i went out to go and uh get some snacks and whatnot some beverages and shit late at night around 3 3 30 or something like that but i went and i saw multiple people right and the one thought i had in my head was that because i'm trying to you know i'm trying to help myself out i'm trying to be positive i'm not trying to be down in the shit and thinking about the situations that i'm going through and i saw a bunch of people guys multiple people people with their shopping carts people with uh um, all kinds of different things and I knew you know all these people are out here and they definitely do not have a place to um, come back to right they don't have a place to come and lay their head they don't got a warm place to be safe at to be able to do something like this record a podcast like I went out there and I was feeling kind of like oh what was me you know it's like it's not really like as cold as I imagine it to be right not that cold out there but I'm thinking you know there's people that have been out there all night all night we're on the streets all night and didn't leave the streets all night and they're going to be in on the streets in the morning right because at some point i'm going to get to go and lay my head on my bed nice king size you know what i'm saying anyways uh, <laughs> um anyways uh yeah there's people that don't get to enjoy those luxuries there's people that i mean the money just isn't even there for them right now to be able to do the basic things pay the bills the basic bills the rent um to cover things for your kids you know uh thank god i don't have children that i have to worry about feeding i only got my two cats me my two cats and we're here rocking and i try and you know help my family and stuff like that but yeah guys it's a constant reminder that 
um you know when i was younger i used to think like man fuck at some point i'm gonna get to that point where i make so much fucking money that i'm not gonna have to struggle anymore i'm not gonna have to go through these fucking hardships i'm not even gonna know what it's like to to be down you know to be a um down bad or down and out and i don't really think that that shit exists anymore that's just a, a fallacy right that's really not real life like no matter in different parts of my life when i've been up been down had money mad money and everything i still had issues i still had problems that i had to face different things that i had to get over and it taught me that it's more so about how you not really how you feel i guess yeah how you uh, present your emotions to the situations how you handle them how you get through them your perseverance your resolve and everything matters more than just not ever experiencing struggle again even though it fucking sucks yes anyways guys you know i did that little intro i talked a bit actually let me do this because um i told you guys i got a new uh new disclaimer for the show let me find it don't got my shit ready what the hell um here it is guys the the disclaimer from martian ufo media and floating a space with martian ufo and all existing subsidiaries and names and companies owned by me and whatnot so this show does not promote hate or harm of any person based on their gender relationship status race or class the goals of this show are to promote healthy choices specifically for men and lifestyle finances and in emotional relationships viewer discretion is advised you are choosing to listen to this content and you were warned and hopefully guys hopefully you know as i as i try my best to make the content better to improve things to be covering more positive topics and situations and not just to be talking about you know like i said men and women and everything all the time like I hope that it does bring more new listeners and that the ones that have been riding with me can kind of see that um, I'm trying to have that space for perspective. I'm trying to have um, the the space to allow, you know, objectivity, obviously. That's one of the reasons that I created the show. And, you know, at, at times, you know, I kind of got lost in um, different narratives or different different um purposes for doing what i was doing different motivations obviously right um the men's movement or, or just really wanting to provide good advice for guys guys who are in my situations guys who are younger than me older than me i said that before i said that the type of content that i'm trying to make is for the guys who i know who i see who are down bad who've been in my position who i've seen in the same positions and then I'm in the position, right? I'm trying to help myself. I'm trying to help guys everywhere because you don't really get this type of content. You don't get it real, raw, like really what what a dude's going through, what a nigga's going through like in his life and trying to navigate it and how he feels about it and shit and talking about it and trying to help people to not fall into the same, uh, the same pits, the same paths. Um, yeah, by the way, guys, like if you're young right now, like, you know, 16, 17, 18, man i like implore you to not make those types of decisions to fuck up your life don't fuck up your credit don't take fast money <laughs> obviously don't go out there and do anything illegal but just don't don't present any shortcomings to yourself man don't sell yourself short you know i see a lot of guys out here they are uh, like i'll go sometimes i'll be at a store i'll see a person at the store trying to buy like one drink with with the, uh, a little bit of change or something like that or i'll see guys who they're at the weed store they're trying to ask for like stuff you know what's under ten dollars and i get one grandma's kind of stuff and i'm like man like that used to be me little money low money being at the store trying to use my last little bit of change buying some weed or buying some um beverage or whatever because i just can't see past that right can't get past that the um the scarcity mindset the um the wanting to indulge in my in my different things but not having it all together so that i could do it freely and comfortably with you know and not bringing my whole fucking life down together at the same time like 
And one of the things that I really like, I'm not going to go deep, deep into this topic, but that's one of the things that and I don't think people really understood this when I talked about it in the past about man, fucking broke dating, man, broke fucking. And especially living up here in Calgary and shit like you live here, guys. And, you know, I don't want to be what it is, shallow or facetious or to be thinking this way. But when you're up here, you kind of see it that way. You see things how they are. You see the way that. A person is treated when they don't have a vehicle or the way that people treat different pedestrians or people who aren't like necessarily on the same level um, financially or economically, life-wise, whatever, in the community. Um, and there's like a, there's a perception, right? There's a perception of people who don't maybe have it all together. And that's like one of the, one of the things, right? Especially with guys. I know guys that are, you know, they want to, they want to prove themselves right guys who want to show that they are providers and that they and a lot of times guys just they just want to have women around right guys are just the same way that a woman wants to be with it like we got these emotions we got these indulgences that we want to we want to pursue right sometimes you don't think about the fact that oh you're down and financially you're not really there yet maybe you don't have your own place maybe you live with your parents not that it's a bad thing but you know getting out here in this dating game guys and in the dating world there's no remorse it's like the same as those cold fucking streets out there there's no remorse there's no you know um what's what's one of the sayings nowadays like if you don't have the bag right well, what's stopping a chick from going on and, and going to the next guy right there's guys out here who they're gonna get into different things or flings or relationships with girls that they probably really actually fucking like and guess what the girl um there's no obligation what do they say they say it's not uh she's not yours it's just your turn right because we have been shown in this modern age that women can have it how they want it they can get the bag they can um have the education the money probably oftentimes more and and better than a guy can right like that's been proven in facts like girls girls have it from the uh teen ages to you know your mid-20s and going up like financially and everything like that they're they're winning and you know i don't want to make it seem like guys are losing and all that kind of stuff but yeah i know guys in those positions i know guys that don't really have everything right everything 100 percent together trying to patch it up or say me for example because i always like to use myself as an example so people don't think that i'm trying to put myself above or trying to make it seem like i'm you know i've never done these things or made these mistakes like i told guys i told i, I said stories on the podcast about how you know, I, I used to, you know, again, when being financially down and even at the time having a car and being able to even have a little bit of money to keep the gas in the car, I'd make decisions like go drive from like Medicine Hat to Lethbridge, drive two hours to go see some chick that, you know, I mean, sometimes, yeah, like most times I'm not going to lie about it. Like most times I wasn't going if I wasn't going to smash, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, guys, like we've been there. But the thing is making those decisions like, you know, and even younger, like I remember 18 you know, when I thought I had money, right? You drive from Medicine Hat to Calgary to see a chick, and then at the end, you come back and you're asking yourself, man, like, I spent on the gas, I spent on food, I bought drinks or whatever, you know, yeah, maybe she'll let me stay with her or whatever, but what, what did I really get out of that? How much money did I spend to have one experience with a girl who doesn't really fucking care about me? You know, how, how many multiples of times did I do that? And to go and waste time with people who are gonna come into your life they're going to come and they're going to see how you live and they're going to you're going to accommodate them you know you're going to show them some hospitality you're going to buy refreshments you're going to do all these things if you can afford it and they don't i mean right they don't they don't have to appreciate it they don't have to stick around they don't have to talk to you the next day nothing and that has happened people have come here even while i've been up in calgary guys let me let me tell you guys a story this is uh i think i'm gonna keep it you know i don't want to go too deep too far into like my own experiences but this is like one of the things that i experienced especially when i moved up here to calgary and wanting to engage in you know the dating and blah blah whatever talking to different people and this is where you kind of get caught up right because oh fuck you start talking about you know being like oh being lonely and shit like that or you know just not um just just wanting a bit more company whatever right like and sometimes in your life, you, you, there's a lot of times in my life that I spend alone. I'm really by myself. I'm trying to do a lot of 
soul searching life searching i'm trying to improve my life and stuff and especially now because after some of these things that i've been through it's uh it makes you think <laughs> it really makes you think it puts you on pause after some of the experiences that you've been through in the past you really don't want to be up or, or don't want to be down sorry don't want to be down and out because of a, a chick right because you made the decisions and the choices to invite somebody in and you spent money or you just you know you did whatever and you ended up fucked up like so story story time story time anyways guys a couple i'd say maybe two months ago you know yeah like two months ago i was talking to this girl a black girl I'm not trying to say anything, but you know, you guys be careful with you know the girls you're talking to, right? Because this might happen to you. But you know, I was talking to this black girl. We were talking on, uh, ironically, Facebook dating. Man, I don't know, you guys. Don't you don't use that Facebook dating shit. That shit's shit. It's bullshit. It's not any ain't no good profiles on there. Anyways, uh, point being, I was talking to this person, and we were just conversing, conversing, whatever. They wanted to maybe hang out that day. We were gonna meet up or whatever. And I said, okay, well, I, cause you know, this is the way that, uh, not everybody, not every guy, but I guess me in that time frame, in that space and my mindset thinking like, okay, well, shit, I got my own place. I got a car. I'm working, you know, I'm up. I got all the things that, um, you know, you list off the criteria. Um, I got all the things that should present me as being, um, a slightly higher than average male, right? I'm, I'm never going to say that high value male shit anymore. We talk about one on a different episode, but um, just just being high, slightly higher than average, whatever. And so we make plans. I'm like, okay, cool, cool. I'm chilling. And this is actually one of the instances where I didn't have to leave my place to go and pick a chick up. So I was kind of more so like, okay, cool. You got a ride here. You're going to get here. That's fine. Um, I had refreshments at the place already i had everything at the place so i was chilling i was cool and then so a couple hours later she gets here she gets here and guess what guys like i don't know if this has happened to anybody before but i don't know if you've ever invited a chick over and she comes over and literally brings her whole fucking family <laughs> you know you know what i'm saying like not everybody but literally rolls up in here with like five six siblings all of her freaking sisters and one of the sister's boyfriends and i'm like yo what the fuck is this like um anyways yeah uh long story short that was an eye-opener for me just just on the way that some people move up here right some of the things that'd be happening um other times kind of minimal instances where I'd, i would just have to drive like you know up here if you live up here you know the driving times and how long it takes and, and shit like i'm probably lucky that i don't have a car right now but be driving like a half hour to go pick up a chicken like coventry hills or, or redstone or skyview or something like that and and they you know they it, it's nothing to them it's really nothing to them right the amount of money that you spend on gas or the amount of time it's taking like an hour to get there and back right car maintenance anything that that never matter and it's not like i'm saying like as if these things should matter to a chick right that you're bringing into your life like if you are trying to present yourself as that, you know, like, I'm a man, I'm a provider role, all kind of shit. That's what you, I guess, have to be prepared for. And at the time, yeah, I was not, not really willing to take on all that much, right? Because, I mean, I don't know what it was. Most of the chicks I was talking to, they wasn't driving. And it was on some, some type of struggle, right? They come here and then I'm, I'm providing. I'm providing refreshments. I'm providing a good time. I'm providing all this. And I'm like... You know, you get tired of that shit, man. You want to find somebody who, um, who wants to be at your same level, energy-wise, mentality, um, who's really like eye to eye with you on what you want, what they want. You guys have an understanding that they're not gonna bring any type of crazy drama into your life. They're not gonna make things um, out of order. You know, not gonna bring their whole family up into your your apartment, like. But those are, uh, those are experiences in life, guys. Sorry, I got, got some ice in my mouth. Let me crush that. Yeah, those are experiences in life that really, they just 
shape your mental. Obviously, you know, we all make mistakes. We all go through things. We sometimes bring things upon ourselves. And I think that's humanity, man. Like, you know, I've been trying to, you know, just really sit back and study and, and watch the human condition. And um, for the last little while, it's been me. It's been fucking me, like, watching myself and my decision making and then my um, habits and my actions and shit like that. And after the incidents or after the happening and then being able to kind of just um, stand outside of the situation and look and not really being happy with what you see and not being happy with the results, not being happy with, uh, um, you know, the women that you're bringing into your life or the type of quality that you're you're allowing to come into your life. And that's, you know, where people say you got to you got to protect that energy. You have to, you know, if you're by yourself right now if, if that's who you got in your life if you got family if you got you um and sometimes guys even the family isn't even really going to understand what you're going through your closest friends aren't even going to really understand what you're going through sometimes all you really have is yourself right and that's where you got to go reach out you got to oh really you know different podcasts different forms of media content that's going to help you get through the shit by yourself you know, sometimes there isn't really anybody to call. Sometimes you look at yourself and you got people to call, but it's like they don't want to hear about you making the same mistakes, same decisions, going down the same shit and being up in the same situations, right? You got to figure it out and at some point be able to come to an ulti- you know, an ultimate understanding of yourself and have that awareness that, you know, you're not going to fuck up your life anymore. And the one thing that you're not going to do it because... I seem to find that it comes a lot with broke dating, broke dating. And even if you're not broke yourself, you really got to be vetting these chicks, man, because a lot of chicks are broke. A lot of chicks are broke and they'll come up and they'll spend and they'll take what you have. And you think you're going to talk to them again? No, bro, they're not. They're not coming back. Like <laughs> You see the, the way the dating game is right these days, the way that it works and, and how people are treating each other, the type of uh, things that's happening, all the cheating that's going on, like, you know. Aside from I'm just living like regular life and having to navigate and be a human being, all these different things and trying to be in a relationship. People are trying to have kids and people are trying to get married in this uh, this crazy ass time. And um, a lot of people are actually doing it, right? It makes me think, you know, there's still hope for actual, genuine, legitimate relationships and for people to fall in uh, what they call love and shit and to create happy, nurturing families and shit like that to help strengthen the community you know that's uh people might not believe it but that's something that i'm you know i'm about all that shit i care about that shit right how can you care about that stuff and be a misogynist no, i'm just kidding um i understand i understand guys like sometimes some episodes you get you get the bass in your voice you start getting you know you get really um into the topics that you're talking about sometimes and that's that's me sometimes i really get into wanting to help the guys i hate seeing guys be bashed i hate seeing guys guys who i know are just really just fucking trying man it ain't it ain't no chest like it ain't no uh what is it there's no manual man there's no manual for this fucking life um people can prepare you as best as they can they can give you all the fucking money right set you up real good and then you become an adult and you can still fuck it up like so yeah um and saying that you know, I've been talking for like um, almost a half hour now, just speaking, speaking. And my friend Sam recently, we were talking and she put me on to the fact that apparently the human brain can only take in about 45 to an hour um, worth of content and actually pay attention. And then after that, everything just kind of gets, um, it's like noise or whatever. So hmm. today we're going to read a little bit from... We're going to read from The Mastery of Destiny. And this is also by James Allen, guys. The last time I think I read, um, I read, uh, let me find it here. Let me find it here, guys. I want to be, I want to be real official with you guys. As a man thinketh. So last time you read As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. This time I'm reading The Mastery of Destiny. Mastery. Mastery of Destiny by James Allen. <clears throat> yeah, bear with me, guys. I'm going to try not to 
make mistakes. I'm going to try and be audible, clear, concise, read the words as they come. And um, I, yeah, man, I hope that this helps everybody that listens. I hope that it helps the men, the women, um, people who need to have this meditative time. You know, if you're going to be listening to this before going to bed or while in bed or waking up, um, doing your yoga, stretching, going to the gym, riding the bus and the sea train, like I'm going to be doing sometimes, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, um, yeah, I hope that it's helpful. I hope that it just puts everybody into a better mind space and that we can, you know, all um, encounter this mastery of destiny, you know, whether individual together and just to to be able to, to heal, guys, just to heal, you know. So there's a little blurb here. It says, uh, your thoughts and your dreams determine what you are and what you will be. Very true. Preface. The discovery of the law of evolution in the material world has prepared men for a knowledge of the law of cause and effect in the mental world. Thought is not less orderly and progressive than the material forms which embody thought, and not alone cells and atoms, but thoughts and deeds are charged with the cumulative and selective energy. In the realm of thought and deed, the good survives, for it is fittest. The evil ultimately perishes. To know that the perfect law of causation is all-embracing and mind as in matter is to be relieved from all anxiety concerning the ultimate destiny of individuals and humanity. For man is man and master of his fate. <clears throat> and the will in man which is conquering the knowledge of natural law will conquer the knowledge of spiritual law. The will which, in ignorance, chooses evil, will, as wisdom evolves and emerges, choose good. In the universe of law, the final mastery of evil by man is assured. His lesser destinies of separation and sorrow, defeat and death are but disciplinary steps leading to the great destiny of triumphal mastery. He himself is unconsciously building, albeit with last raised hands and labor bowed form, the temple of glory which is to afford him an eternal habitation of peace. In this volume, I have tried to set down some words indicative of this law and this destiny and the manner of its working and its building and have so arranged the subject matter as to make the book a companion volume to the life triumphant. The first six and the last chapters first appeared in Bibby's Quarterly and Bibby's Annual, and it is by kind permission of the editor, Mr. Joseph Bibby, that these are now brought together and published in volume form, the, the other three chapters having been added to make the book consecutive and complete. And that is by James Allen. Here we go, guys. Deeds, Character, and Destiny There is, and has always been, a widespread belief in fate or destiny that is in an eternal and an inscrutable power which apportions definite ends to both individuals and nations. This belief has arisen from long observation of the facts of life. Men are conscious that there are certain occurrences which they cannot control and are powerless to avert. Birth and death, for instance, are inevitable, and many of the incidents of life appear equally inevitable. Men strain every nerve for the attainment of certain ends, and gradually they become conscious of a power which seems to be not of themselves, which frustrates their puny efforts and laughs, as it were, at their foolish striving and struggle. As men advance in life, they learn to submit more or less to this overruling power which they do not understand, perceiving only its effects on themselves and the world around them, and they call it by various names, such as God, Providence, Fate, Destiny, etc. Men of contemplation such as poets and philosophers step aside, as it were, to watch the movements of this mysterious power as it seems to elevate its favorites on the one hand and strike down its victims on the other, without reference to merit or demerit. The greatest poets, especially the dramatic poets, represent this power in their works as they have observed it in nature. The Greek and Roman dramatists usually depict their heroes as having foreknowledge of their fate and taking means to escape it. But by doing so, They blindly involve themselves in a series of consequences which bring about the doom which they are trying to avert. Shakespeare's characters, on the other hand, are represented as a nature with no foreknowledge except in the form of presentiment of their particular destiny. Thus, according to the poets, whether the man knows his fate or not, he cannot avert it. 
and every conscious or unconscious act of his is a step towards it. Omar Khayyam's moving finger is a vivid expression of this idea of fate. The moving finger writes, and having writ, moves on, nor all thy pity, nor wit, shall lure it back to cancel half a line, nor all thy tears shall wash a word of it. Thus men in all nations and times have experienced in their lives the action of this invincible power or law, and in our nation today this experience has been crystallized in the terse proverb, men proposes, God disposes. But contradictory as it may appear, there is an equally widespread belief in man's responsibility as a free agent. All moral teaching is an affirmation of man's freedom to choose his course and mold his destiny, and man's patient and untiring efforts and achieving his ends are declarations of consciousness of freedom and power. This dual experience of fate on the one hand and freedom on the other has given rise to the interminable controversy between the believers in fatalism and the upholders of free will. A controversy which was recently revived under the term determinism versus free will. Between apparently conflicting extremes, there is always a middle way of balance, justice, or compensation which, while it includes both extremes, cannot be said to be either one or the other, and which brings both into harmony. And this middle way is the point of a contact between two extremes. Truth cannot be a partisan, but by its nature is the reconciler of extremes, and so, and the matter which we are considering, there is a golden mean, which brings fate and free will into close relationship, wherein, indeed, it is seen that these two indisputable facts in human life, for such they are, are but two aspects of one central law, one unifying and all-embracing principle, namely, the law of causation and its moral aspect. Moral causation necessitates both fate and free will, both individual responsibility and individual predestination. For the law of causes must also be the law of effects, and cause and effect must always be equal. The train of causation, both in matter and in mind, must be eternally balanced, therefore eternally just, eternally perfect. Thus every effect may be said to be a thing preordained, but the predetermining power is a cause and not the fiat of an arbitrary will. Man finds himself involved in the train of causation, his life is made up of causes and effects. It is both a sowing and a reaping. Each act of his is a cause which must be balanced by its effects. He chooses the cause. This is free will. He cannot choose, alter, or avert the effect. This is fate. Thus, free will stands for the power to initiate causes, and destiny is involvement in effects. It is therefore true that man is predestined to certain ends, but he himself has though he knows it not, issued the mandate that good or evil thing from which there is no escape, he has, by his own deeds, brought about. It may be here urged that man is not responsible for his deeds, that these are the effects of his character, and that he is not responsible for the character, good or bad, which was given him at birth. If character was given him at birth, this would be true, and there would be no moral law and no need for moral teaching. But characters are not given ready-made. They are evolved. They are indeed effects, the products of the moral law itself, that is, the products of deeds. Character is the combined result of an incalculable number of deeds, is, in reality, an accumulation of deeds which has been piled up, so to speak, by the individual during vast ages of time and through innumerable lives by a slow process of orderly evolution. A man's birth into this life with his complex character, to which he considers himself irresponsibly predestined, was determined by his own deeds and former lives. Man is the doer of his own deeds, as such he is the maker of his own character, and as the doer of his deeds and the maker of his character, he is the molder and shaper of his destiny. He has the power to modify and alter his deeds, and every time he acts he modifies his character, and with the modification of his character for good or evil, he is predetermining for himself new destinies, destinies disastrous or beneficent in accordance with the nature of his deeds. Character is destiny itself. As a fixed combination of deeds, it bears within itself the result of those deeds. These results lie hidden as the moral seeds and the dark recesses of his character, awaiting their season of germination, growth, and fruitage. 
those things which befall a man are the reflections of himself, that destiny which pursued him, which he was powerless to escape by effort or avert by prayer, was a relentless ghoul of his own wrong deeds, demanding and enforcing restitution. Those blessings and curses which come to him unbidden are the reverberating echoes of the sounds which he himself sent forth. It is this knowledge of the perfect law, working through and above all things, of the perfect justice operating in and adjusting all human affairs that enables the good man to love his enemies and to rise above all hatred, resentment, and complaining. For he knows that only his own can come to him, and that, though he be surrounded by persecutors, his enemies are but the blind instruments of a faultless retribution. And so he blames them not, but calmly receives his accounts and patiently pays his moral debts. But this is not all. He does not merely pay his debts. He takes care as not to contract any further debts. He watches himself and makes his deeds faultless. While paying off evil accounts, he is laying up good accounts. By putting an end to his own sin, he is bringing evil and suffering to an end. And let us now consider how the law operates, in particular instances in the outworking of destiny, through deeds and character. First, we will look at this present life. For the present is the synthesis of the past. The net result of all that a man has ever thought and done is contained within him. It is noticeable that sometimes the good man fails and the unscrupulous man prospers, a fact which seems to put all moral maxims as to the good results of righteousness out of account. And because of this, many people deny the operation of any just law in human life, and even declare that it is chiefly the unjust that prosper. Nevertheless, the moral law exists and is not altered or subverted by shallow conclusions. It should be remembered that man is a changing, evolving being. The good man was not always good. The bad man was not always bad. Even in this life without, for the moment, going back to former lives, there was a time and a large number of instances when the man who was now just was unjust, when he who was now kind was cruel, when he who was now pure was impure. Obversely, there was a time in this life and a number of instances when he who is now unjust was just, when he who is now cruel was kind, when he who is now impure was pure. Thus, the good man who was overtaken with calamity today is reaping the result of his former evil sowing. Later he will reap the happy result of his present good sowing. While the bad man is now reaping the result of his former good sowing, later he will reap the result of his present sowing of bad. But when just causes of the effects which we see are not apparent in this life, then they were set going and formalized, and indeed, the entire evolution of any being through innumerable births and deaths and ever-enlarging destinies may be regarded as one long, extended, unbroken line of causes and effects, one indestructible, ever-growing, ever-changing and ascending life. Characteristics are fixed habits of mind, the results of deeds, an act repeated a large number of times becomes unconscious or automatic, that is, it then seems to repeat itself with any effort on the part of the doer, so that it seems to him almost impossible not to do it, and then it has become a mental characteristic. Thus, the character of an individual at birth is a combination of habits which he himself has built up by his own thoughts and acts during the course of his evolution, and in accordance with his efforts in this life, with his character be modified for good or evil in the future. Here is a poor man out of work. He is honest and not a shirker. He wants work and cannot get it. He tries hard and continues to fail. Where is the justice in his lot? There was a time in this man's condition when he had plenty of work. He felt burdened with it. He shirked it and longed for ease. He thought how delightful it would be to have nothing to do. He did not appreciate the blessedness of his lot. His desire for ease is not gratified, but the fruit for which he longed and which he thought would taste so sweet has turned to ashes in his mouth. The condition which he aimed for, namely, to have nothing to do, he has reached, and there he is compelled to remain till his lesson is thoroughly learned. And he is surely learning that habitual ease is degrading, that to have nothing to do is a condition of wretchedness, and that work is a noble and blessed thing. His former desires and deeds have brought him where he is, and now his present desire for work, his ceaseless searching and asking for it, will just as surely bring about its own beneficent result. No longer desiring idleness, his present condition will, as an effect, the cause of which is no longer propagated, soon pass away, and he will obtain employment. And if his whole mind is now set on work, 
and he desires it above all else, then when it comes, he will be overwhelmed with it. And it will flow to end to him from all sides, and he will prosper in his industry. Then, if he does not understand the law of cause and effect in human life, he will wonder why work comes to him apparently unsought, while others who seek it strenuously fail to obtain it. Nothing comes unbidden. Where the shadow is, there also is the substance. That which comes to the individual is the product of his own deeds. As cheerful industry leads to greater industry and increasing prosperity, and labor shirked or undertaken discontently leads to a lesser degree of labor and decreasing prosperity, so with all the varied conditions of life as we see them, they are the effects of deeds, destinies, wrought by the thoughts and deeds of each particular individual. So also with the vast variety of characters, they are the ripening and ripened growth of the sowing of deeds. A sowing not confined solely to this visible life, but going backward through that infinite life which transverses the portals of innumerable births and deaths, and which will also extend into the illimitable future, reaping its own harvest, eating the sweet and bitter fruit of its own deeds. It is thus literally true that when men die, they go to heaven or hell in accordance with their deeds. But the heaven and hell are in this world. The rich man who abused his wealth or who obtained his riches by fraud or oppression, is reborn in poverty and shame. The poor man, who used the little he possessed wisely and unselfishly, is reborn in plenty and honor. The cruel and unjust are reborn in the midst of harsh and untoward surroundings. The kind and just are reborn where kind hearts and gentle hands watch over and tend them. Thus, with every vice and virtue, each receives its own, each declares its own destiny. But even those who refuse to believe in rebirth will find that even in this life men almost invariably reap what they sow, and the time is surely coming when social and political reformers will pay more attention to the development of character than the mere gaining of party issues. As the individual reaps what he sows, so the nation, being a community of individuals, reaps also what it sows. Nations become great when their leaders are just men, they fall and fade when their just men pass away. Those who are in power set an example, good or bad, for the entire nation. Great will be the peace and prosperity of a nation when there shall rise within it a line of statesmen who, having first established themselves on a lofty integrity of character, shall direct the energy of the nation towards a culture of virtue and development of character, knowing that only through personal industry, integrity, and nobility can national prosperity proceed. Still, above all, is the great law, calmly and with infallible justice, meting out to mortals with their fleeting destinies, tear-stained or smiling, the fabric of their hands. Life is a great school for the development of character, and all, through strife and struggle, vice and virtue, success and failure, are slowly but surely learning the lessons of wisdom. The Science of Self-Control We live in a scientific age. Men of science are numbered by thousands, and they are ceaselessly searching, analyzing, and experimenting with a view to discover and the increase of knowledge. The shells of our liberties, both public and private, are heavy with their load of imposing volumes on scientific subjects, and the wonderful achievements of modern science are always before us, whether in our homes or in our streets, in country or town, on land or sea. There shall we have before us some marvelous device, some recent accomplishment of science, for adding to our comfort, increasing our speed, or saving the labor of our hands. Yet, with all our vast store of scientific knowledge and its startling and re rapidly increasing results on the world of discovery and invention, there is, in this age, one branch of science which has so far fallen into decay as to have become almost forgotten, a science, nevertheless, which is of greater importance than all the other sciences combined. and without which all science would but subvert the ends of selfishness and aid in man's destruction. I refer to the science of control. Our modern scientists study the elements and forces which are outside themselves with the object of controlling and utilizing them. The ancients studied the elements and forces which were within themselves with a view to controlling and utilizing them. And the ancients produced such mighty masters of knowledge in this direction that to this day, they are held in reverence as gods, and the vast religious organizations of the world are based upon their achievements. Wonderful as are the forces in nature, they are vastly inferior to that combination 
of intelligent fortress which comprise the mind of man and which dominate and direct the blind mechanical forces of nature. Therefore, it follows that to understand control and direct the inner forces of passion, desire, will, and intellect is to be in possession of the destinies of man and nations. As in ordinary science there are in this divine science degrees of attainment, and a man is great in knowledge, great in himself, and great in his influence on the world in the measure that he is great in self-control. He who understands and dominates the forces of external nature is the natural scientist, but he who understands and dominates the internal forces of the mind is the divine scientist, and the laws which operate in gaining a knowledge of external appearances also op operate also in gaining a knowledge of internal verities. A man cannot become an accomplished scientist in a few weeks or months, nay, not even in a few years, but only after many years of painstaking investigation can he speak with authority and be ranked among the masters of science. Likewise, a man cannot acquire self-control and become possessed of the wisdom and peace-giving knowledge which that self-control confers, but by many years of patient labor, a labor which is all the more arduous because it is silent and both unrecognized and unappreciated by others. And he who would pursue this science successfully must learn to stand alone and to toil unrewarded as far as any outward enrollment is concerned. The natural scientist pursues in acquiring his particular kind of knowledge the following five orderly and sequential steps. Observation, that is, he closely and persistently observes the facts of nature. Two, experiment, having become acquainted by repeated observations with certain facts, he experiments with those facts with a view to this discovery of natural laws. He puts his facts through rigid process of analysis and so finds out what is useless and what of value, and he rejects the former and retains the latter. 3. Classification Having accumulated and verified a mass of facts by numberless observations and experiments, he commences to classify those facts he arranged them in orderly groups with the object of discovering some underlying law, some hidden and undefined and unifying principle, which governs, regulates, and binds together these facts. Deduction Thus, he passes on to the fourth step of deduction. From the facts and results which are before him, he discovers certain and variable modes of action, and thus reveals the hidden law of things. 5. Knowledge Having proven and established certain laws, it may be said of such a man that he knows, he is a scientist, a man of knowledge. But the attainment of scientific knowledge is not the end, great as it is. Men do not attain knowledge for themselves alone, nor to keep it locked secretly in their hearts like a beautiful jewel in a dark chest. The end of such knowledge is use, service, the increase of the comfort and happiness of the world. Thus, when a man has become a scientist, he gives the world the benefit of his knowledge, and unselfishly bestows upon mankind the results of his labors. Thus, beyond knowledge, there is a further step of use, that is, the right and unselfish use of the knowledge acquired, the application of knowledge to invention for the common wheel. It will be noted that the five steps or processes enumerated follow an orderly succession, and that no man can become a scientist who omits any one of them. Without the first step of systematic observation, for instance, he could not even enter the realm of knowledge of nature's secrets. At first, the searcher for, for such knowledge has before him a universe of things. These things he does not understand. Many of them, indeed, seem to be irreconcilably opposed one to the other. And there is apparent confusion. But by patiently and laboriously pursuing these five processes, he discovers the order. Nature, in essences of things, perceives the central law or laws which bind them together in harmonious relationship, and so puts an end to confusion and ignorance. As with the natural scientist, so with the divine scientist, he must pursue, with the same self-sacrificing diligence, five progressive steps in the attainment of self-knowledge, self-control. These five steps are the same as with the natural scientist, but the process is reversed. The mind, instead of being centered upon external things, is turned back upon itself, and the investigations are pursued in the realm of mind as one's own mind, instead of in that of matter. At first, the searcher for divine knowledge is confronted with that mass of desires, passions, emotions, ideas, and intellections which he calls himself, which is the basis of all his actions, and from which his life proceeds.
This combination of invisible yet powerful forces appears confusedly. Some of them stand, apparently in direct conflict with each other, without any appearance or hope of reconciliation. His mind in its entirety too, with his life which proceeds from that mind, does not seem to have any equitable relation to many other minds and lives about him. And altogether there is a condition of pain and confusion from which he would fain escape. Thus, he begins by keenly realizing his state of ignorance, for no one could acquire either natural or divine knowledge if he were convinced that without study or labor he had already possessed it. With such perception of one's ignorance, there comes a desire for knowledge, and then the novice in self-control enters upon the ascending pathway in which there are following five steps. 1. Introspection This coincides with the observation of the natural scientists. The mental eye is turned like a searchlight upon the inner things of the mind, and its subtle and ever-varying processes are observed and carefully noted. This stepping aside from selfish gratifications, from the excitements of worldly pleasures and ambitions, in order to observe with the object of understanding one's nature is the beginning of self-control. Hitherto, the man has been blindly and impotently borne along by the impulses of his nature, the mere creature of things and circumstances, but now he puts a check upon his impulses and instead of being controlled, begins to control. 2. Self-Analysis Having observed the tendencies of the mind, they are then closely examined and are put through a rigid process of analysis. The evil tendencies, those that produce painful effects, are separated from the good tendencies, those that produce peaceful effects, and the various tendencies with the particular actions they produce and the definite results which invariably spring from these actions are gradually grasped by the understanding, which is at least enabled to follow them in their swift and subtle interplay and profound ramifications. It is a process of testing and proving, and for the searcher, a period of being tested and proved. 3. Adjustment By this time, the practical student of things divine has clearly before him every tendency and aspect of his nature, down to the profoundest promptings of his mind, and are the most subtle and the most subtle motives of his heart. There is not a spot or corner left which he has not explored and illuminated with the light of self-examination. He is familiar with every weak and selfish point, every strong and virtuous quality. It is considered the height of wisdom to be able to see ourselves as others see us, but the practicer of self-control goes far beyond this. He, he not only sees himself as others see him, he sees himself as he is, thus standing face to face with himself, not striving to hide away from any secret fault, no longer defending himself with pleasant flatteries, neither under, underrating nor overrating himself or his powers, and no more cursed with self-praise or self-pity. He sees the full magnitude of the task which lies before him, sees clearly ahead the heights of self-control, and knows what work he has to do to reach them. He is no longer in a state of confusion, but has gained a glimpse of the laws which operate in the world of thought, and he now begins to adjust his mind in accordance with those laws. There is a process of weeding, sifting, cleansing. As the farmer weeds, cleans, and prepares the ground for his crops, so the student removes the weeds of evil from his mind, cleanses and purifies it, preparatory to sowing the seeds of righteous actions which will, shall produce the harvest of a well-ordered life. 4. Righteousness Having adjusted his thoughts and deeds to those minor laws which operate in mental activities in the production of pain and pleasure, unrest and peace, sorrow and bliss, he now perceives that there is involved in those laws one great central law, which, like the law of gravitation of the natural world, is supreme in the world of mind, a law to which all thoughts and deeds are subservient, and by which they are regulated and kept in their proper sphere. This is the law of justice or righteousness, which is universal and supreme. To this law he now conforms. Instead of thinking and acting blindly as the nature is stimulated and appealed to by outward things, he subordinates his thoughts and deeds to this central principle. He no longer acts from self, but does what is right, what is universally and eternally right. He is no longer the abject slave of his nature and circumstances. He is the master of his nature and circumstances. He is no longer carried hither and thither on the forces of his mind. He controls and guides these forces to the accomplishment of his purposes. Thus, having his nature in control and subjection, 
not thinking thoughts nor doing deeds which oppose the righteous law, in which therefore that law annuls with suffering and defeat, he rises above the dominion of sin and sorrow, ignorance and doubt, and is strong, calm, and peaceful. 5. Pure Knowledge By thinking right and acting right, he proves, by experience, the existence of the divine law on which the mind is framed, and which is the guiding and undefying principle in all human affairs and events whether individual or national. Thus, by perfecting himself in self-control, he acquires divine knowledge. He reaches the point where it may be said of him, as of the natural scientist, that he knows. He has mastered the science of self-control and has brought knowledge out of ignorance, order out of confusion. He has acquired that knowledge of self, which includes knowledge of all men, the knowledge of one's own life, which embraces knowledge of all lives, for all minds are in the same essence differing only in degree, are framed upon the same law, and the same thoughts and acts by whatsoever individual they are wrought will always produce the same results. But this divine and peace-bestowing knowledge, as in the case of the natural scientist, is not gained for oneself alone, for if this were so, the aim of evolution would be frustrated, and it is not in the nature of things to fall short of ripening and accomplishment. And indeed, he who thought to gain this knowledge solely for his own happiness would most surely fail. So, beyond the fifth step of pure knowledge, there is a still further one of wisdom. There is the right application of the knowledge acquired, the pouring out upon the world, unselfishly and without stint, the result of one's labors, thus accelerating progress and uplifting humanity. It may be said of men who have not gone back into their own nature to control and purify it, that they cannot clearly distinguish between good and evil, right and wrong. They reach after those things which they think will give them pleasure, and try to avoid these things which they believe will cause them pain. The source of their actions is self, and they only discover right painfully and in a fragmentary way, by periodically passing through severe sufferings and lashings of conscience. But he who practices self-control, passing through the five processes, which are five stages of growth, gains that knowledge which enables him to act from the moral law which sustains the universe. He knows good and evil, right and wrong, and thus, knowing them, lives in accordance with good and right. He no longer needs to consider what is pleasant or what is unpleasant, but does what is right. His nature is in harmony with his conscience, and there is no remorse. His mind is in unison with the great law, and there is no more suffering and sin. For him, evil is ended, and good is all in all. Okay, guys, so that was uh, the first two chapters of Mastery of Destiny by James Allen. I'm going to, you know, take a little break and everything like that. Probably go and catch some Z's at some point and just to, you know, prepare for the next couple chapters. I, you know, like I said, I'm going to do them in like kind of short, small, bite-sized episodes like this and just try and be as consistent as I can daily every two days you know what i'm saying and be there for you guys and to provide this knowledge man because we all need it even as i was reading the book i could you know i could feel that it was helping me the stuff that i'm reading and it's all it's all true man it's all really true good uh good stuff for people to think about good brain food you know and like i said i hope it helps you meditate i hope it helps you in your quiet times you know in the morning if you're just getting up getting ready for the day getting ready for a hard day you know getting ready to go out there and face the world um yeah man you know we can literally create what we want in our life and we once we all kind of start understanding um what these books are talking about i believe that we all will be more in a world of prosperity happiness uh, not so much suffering sin and you know i'm trying to make the changes in my own life i'm trying to really do it slowly and i know that's going to take time going to take a lot of time and uh that's what this is about guys it's a journey you know you guys are journeying with me together i'm floating in space with martian ufo my martians man i love you guys i hope you guys are doing well i hope you had a good start to your week on the monday and now it's tuesday february 1st you know everybody got to pay rent so hopefully you got your money your money's right and you can have a little bit left over after to take care of yourself the other things that you need to pay attention to your family your kids everything like that and um yeah man you know hope everybody's doing well 
have a good night have a good day be well be blessed be peaceful um may god pour everything that he can upon you in terms of good endearment and helping you be a better human being and be better to yourself better to your families your friends your kids and yeah man take care keep floating this is martian ufo on floating in space thank you for being here with me